Hello and welcome to the Central Texas Football Podcast in February, Kenny. <laughs> we thought we needed to check in and uh, up, of course. You know, talk a little recruiting, uh, coaching changes, the Super Syntax team, the uh, All-State teams, and, and what have you. Maybe get into a little playoff basketball and a little baseball preview. You never know. It's in, the, it's in that weird time of year where, you know, we're kind of – Kind of depressed because football is completely over. I mean, I've been depressed since December since high school football is over, but that's neither here nor there. But football is completely done. Well, although the XFL's here, have you had a chance to watch any of that? What do you think about that? Man, I saw some stuff on Twitter, some highlights on mm-hmm. Twitter. They got some weird uh, extra point. You know but, how they do their extra points yeah. and other stuff like that. But I haven't ever, I haven't watched a game on TV yet. I think I think it just depends. I think I, I'm happy to see it just because it's football, but it's not really traditional football, so you never know. But it makes for exciting football. Like you know, I was watching the St. Louis and who are they playing? San Antonio game, and St. Louis was down by like 12 points with like a minute and a half to go, and they scored a touchdown to make it a a six point game, and then they went for three. You can go for three in the XFL to make it a three-point game, and they got it. And then another thing in the XFL, it's weird. You can do a – instead of doing onside, you just have one down to gain 15 yards. And they did that, and then they went down there and scored again. So it's exciting in that aspect to where it's like, you know, you're never truly out of a game just because how the rules have been tweaked and stuff. But it's cool, but I don't know how we got on – on that tangent, but yeah, it's it's also that exciting time of the year. The coaching carousel across Texas high school football land sta- landscape is a full go, and there's already been some crazy ones since the last time we talked here. Uh, you look at uh, Mike Ludlow leading Robinson, and co- in comes Academy's Chris Lancaster, and then that that was a big one as well. Chris Lancaster, he'd been at Academy for a little while, and the last couple of years they've been really really good, Kenny. Yeah, and uh, I kind of thought that. Uh, when he left that job, that academy, that their AD would step in and take mm-hmm. it, but they ended up promoting the uh, the OC there, so that's cool. And it's funny because Lancaster goes to Robinson. Well, now yesterday Troy just opened up, and you would yep. think that he would be a guy that would be favored to go back to Troy because he was the OC there for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you got Tommy Allison, who has been the OC at Midway for a couple of years, and I really thought that he was probably one and done there. He lasted two years, and now he's headed up to Prosper to that new, uh, that new uh, high school. Walnut there. Grove, home of the Wildcats. Yeah, he'll be their first head coach in program history. It's a cool deal there for Tommy Allison. Really good dude. Really good dude. And then, yeah, just like you said, uh, as we're recording this, February 23rd, yesterday, Stephen Hermsmeyer leaving Troy. I, I was, uh, wasn't, like, crazy surprised about it, but I, I don't know, but – yeah, Stephen Hermsmeyer leaving Troy, and then a huge one for the first time in what is it, 36, 37 years. Lorena will be coached by someone not named Ray Biles. Yeah, and they ended up promoting their assistant principal or principal. Their their principal who has coaching experience. Yes. He's been a head coach. He's been a head coach and AD at Connolly for a few years. I think he, he has another. He's another head coach at a uh, some other school. I can't think of at the top of my head, but yes, they're. Previous principal, Kevin Johnson, served the last 11 years as the principal for Lorena High School. Now, back in the coaching realm, I guess, I guess he missed it. He wanted to, wanted to come back and coach. He felt like he was in a good situation to where he could win. And, you know, Lorena, we, we talked about him all season long throughout the 2022 season. They're a darn good football team, a darn good program. But it's just going to be – it's going to be intriguing to see – 
how much that program adjusts because it's it might not be such a huge drop off from hiring internally but you know it, it's just going to be intriguing to see how the program changes if at all especially having the same coach for such a long time yeah and, you know coach Biles man he just had a I'm sure that the culture and the program he installed over there and I'm sure the new guys are going to try to pick up where he left off but mm -hmm. yeah you kind of have your doubts that they're going to be what they were without the coach Biles there. Yeah, absolutely. And then another weird one, over in Mejia, Aaron Knoll <laughs> says he's going to leave. And then, like, two or three weeks later, he comes right back. What was the deal there, Kenny? He probably he pulled a Kevin Hoffman. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, it worked for him. Let me, let me try it. <laughs> That's a good point. Kevin Hoffman did do that last year. But, yeah, man, a, a lot of coaching changes, and it's far from over. What I about mean, uh, Italy? Coach Lee Wilkins, one yep. year there, he replaced Craig Horn. One year, and he's out. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of Craig Horn, did you see on Twitter that uh, they had like a, a – The wrestling, wrestling league, yeah. And, uh, Coach Horn was the, the, the referee there. I thought that was Oh, my. Funny. He was a special guest referee. I remember seeing that because I got like an advertisement on it. I don't remember if it was Twitter, Instagram, or something. I, I saw it somewhere. I was like, Coach Craig Horn in the squared <laughs> circle. How about that? But, yeah, that was a cool deal. And that's another team. That's gonna, They're going to be back this year. I really, I really, really think – that's going to be an eye to, a team to keep an eye on in 2023, Coach Craig Horn squad. But, yeah, and as we were saying before, this coaching carousel, it's as we know, Kenny, it's far from over. You know, this could go all the way into the summer. I mean, you look at last year here in our neck of the woods in Whitney. I don't believe uh, Coach David Haynes Jr. was hired until mid-June, something like that, early June. Yeah, because he interviewed the same day that uh, Valley Mills and Bossville were playing in the – in the regional or the state semifinals mm -hmm. in baseball, mm -hmm. uh, not yep. state, the regional finals. And, you know, and it's like uh, Hermsmeyer did. He said, hey, I'm going to get out of here and let this team, let this school find a coach and give them plenty of time. And, and you got to appreciate that when you know you're not coming back and you're not dragging out the process and letting a, letting the school go and find the best candidate possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a fun time of year. It's, it's a weird year, you know. It's a year where there's not a realignment, so there's not as much, but – uh, we were talking with uh, with Greg Tepper on our uh, radio show over in ESPN in Waco a few weeks ago, and he gave us uh, something to think about. The uh, this will be a shorter off season. This will start this season will start a week early because I believe he said that. What what day? Well, let me look at the calendar the first here. First day of two days I for think, teams that don't do spring football is actually in July, 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 July 31st because that does fall on a Monday <clears throat> and then yeah because the first the first day of the season uh, the opening night for the 2023 season will be August 25th and that's uh, that is almost a week because I believe the first day this past year was like the 30th or the yep. 31st or something like that so get a Week shorter off season this year, and that'd be that'd be weird. I mean, I don't know. In the years you played football, I don't remember ever starting two days in July. No, no, no I don't. Uh, and uh, our buddy Jimmy Thompson over at Dawson, he he, he retired. Uh huh. Yeah. And they gave the, the the job to his son, which I've heard that dude's mm -hmm. a terrific coach. So it looks like Dawson's going to be in good hands. Yeah, a lot of a lot of coaching changes already. And again, we're in we're recording this February twenty third, the last week of February, and then it, it's already. It's already up and coming, but it's our buddy Coach Mac down in Pflugerville. He hired a couple of coaches. I think mm -hmm. uh, he had two or three openings, and it uh, looks like he hit he hit some good hires over there. I saw that they, I saw Connolly, Connolly and Hendrickson, I believe, were the two schools, or Hendrickson or Weiss, I can't remember, but Connolly for sure. They hired a new coach. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. 
I do remember seeing that because that last coach they had, um, I, I saw that team firsthand. I was doing play-by-play for Waco University this past season. I saw that team, you know, right there, right in person. And that, that, that program was just in a bad way. That, that, coach, that coach had been there for a few years, and he took them to one playoff appearance, I believe. But the last couple of years, they just – They've just just been trending downward, and I think I think that's a program and Connolly that needed a fresh start. Yeah, just yeah. how the last couple of seasons have gone. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out down in Pflugerville. And I like the the hot Rockdale. So, uh, yep, Coach uh, Cansey steps down, and they bring back Hunter Hambrick, who was OC uh, during their state championship run. Yep. So I think that's a good hire for them. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, yeah, man, and again, it's it's, and, you know, it's far from a over. lot of big school. I mean, a lot of high-profile jobs in Holiday, Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Mount Vernon's hired to replace. Yeah, I mean, yeah, bit. again, that's a good point. It's not just across Central Texas; it's the entire state. Look at Arlington Martin, Bob yeah. Wager. He went to join Matt Rule's staff in Nebraska, and they hired they hired from in, uh, internally as well. Which, I mean, that's that that's probably not. Uh, a surprise, yeah. especially with just how long Coach Wager was there and how long he was quote, grooming those coaches to come up. I, I can't remember if they – I know they hired internally within the district. I just don't remember if it was within his coaching staff or I not. I think so. I, I think it was a guy that had been there for – I think so. I can look that up, but, yeah, they, they hired him. May Pearl's got a new coach. Yep. Uh, th- that guy stepped down midseason after the, mm-hmm. the West uh, drubbing, and yep. Coach Amorite comes in, and I think that's the way you pronounce his name. He comes in, so – Hopefully he'll get that program turned around. There's there's some athletes over there. You know, they're usually yeah. really tough in basketball, tough in baseball, and and I think they can be tough in football. They get the right guy there. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's a good program. It's it's a program that I mean that us being from Whitney, it's a team we're familiar with. It's a team that we played growing up and that our kids in the school now still play, so and it's a program that was good, like back in the – I think it was around the early to mid-2010s. They were really good there for a little bit. But, yeah, hopefully they'll be on the back on the right track as well with a new coach. And it's an exciting time for any program to, to, to just get a fresh start. And it, it'll just be exciting to see how that plays out. But, yeah, just the coaching carousel still continuing throughout the state of Texas. And we'll keep an eye on that. There's, again – Said it once or said it a million times. It's it's far from over, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Another thing we wanted to touch on is is recruiting across yep. the state of Texas and Central Texas, of course, in particular. And before we dive into that, Kenny had a chance to sit down with Greg Powers. He is the uh, recruiting analyst over at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He does a marvelous job there, and uh, he joined us and Kenny. And uh, here's Kenny's interview with Greg Powers. All right, I'm here with Greg Powers, Director of Recruiting for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Greg, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Hey, we appreciate you hopping on. I know uh, you, you had a lot of work. You, you probably work never ends, but signing day is over, and I guess you're working on next year. Uh, tell us about how you got into recruiting. You know, how, how did this happen? Is it an accident, or is this what you always wanted to do? You know what? That's a long story. I started covering recruiting back in 2004. I got my first job. You know, I was playing around on the blogs and stuff like that, and I got my first job with a company called Scout.com, which was acquired by 247 Sports, I think, in 2017. Um, and believe it or not, I was covering, you know, I was just a young guy, and I, I was looking for any break that I could get, and I was covering guys up in New York and West Virginia and 
Ohio and Pennsylvania, you know, just because they need some help up in that area. And just kind of ran with the ball, I guess, is the best way to say it. I went to my first uh, U.S. Army All-American game, and I think it was 2006, and saw some pretty good – I think that was the Vince Young year. Okay. Um, saw some pretty good talent down there and, and just had a knack for doing evaluations. You know, that was kind of what I hung my hat on. I was pretty good at, um, I guess, bringing a, more of an unbiased outlook. The, the process, you know, and just kind of grew from there. Started going to a lot of coaching clinics, meeting with a lot of college coaches, and um, trying to learn what they were looking for in players. And of course, that always changes year over year. It's way different in 2022 than it was in 2004. What a defensive end is supposed to be, for example, you know, back then you were looking for these edge rushing guys, and everybody was playing a four three. And now a defensive end can be a 330-pound monster, you know, that you put out there. He's basically a defensive tackle and a 3-4 that's going to take on a couple offensive linemen to free everybody up. But the game just always changes. And um, really, that's just how I got started. It was kind of like a hobby for me. And then I caught, caught the right breaks and uh, ran with the ball when I had my opportunity. Great story, and I like the the part where you said things kind of change. You know uh, what you're looking for in defensive ends, and that that brings me to a kind of a, a related question. So, uh, Central Texas, you know, we we had a, a few really small school guys. Uh, what comes to mind are two offensive linemen that went to Sam Houston State. So, when you're looking, so what what's the benefit? What benefit those guys the most? Their game film or going to camps and stuff like that? I think one guy's from Riesel and other guys from uh, Rosebud. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt it's game film. And that's the first thing that's going to catch a college coach's attention is what you're going to put down on film. And I say game film versus highlight film because it's an investment into uh, scholarship, right? And they're going to the highlight film is going to catch the college coaches' attention, and then they're going to back up what they see on a highlight film with what you're doing on the game tape. They're not going to probably um, you an offer or really have a serious thought about you playing within their system unless they get a, a, an extended look at you on game tape and what you're going to do every play, even on your off plays. And I think that's really important. Uh, and it, and it kind of is. It's kind of dependent upon what level you're going to be playing at. So you mentioned Sam Houston, right? And I think it's important for prospects to who are interested in Sam Houston and Sam Houston's interested in you to go to the camp. And I get this a lot with recruits who are going through the process. Um, you know, you see these offers going out to a lot of these top end guys, and I'll I'll throw a name out there. You know, like. Michael Uni at Copper's Cove got offer number 37 last night from Arkansas. Well, he's got 37 offers, so he's got 37 tweets out there about picking up a scholarship offer, and a lot of kids see that. You know, they're like, oh, what's this guy got that I don't have? Or, you know, the process happens different for everybody. So sometimes it can be very important to go to a college camp and prove um, what they saw in the game tape matches what they see in person, and are you a guy that they can work with? Yeah, and you talked about getting your getting your highlights out there first, and then and that catching their attention. I guess Twitter has done wonders for kids in recruiting, getting getting their highlights out there and tagging all these coaches and all that stuff. Is that that's probably made a pretty big impact on recruiting? I would think. I always say it like this: Twitter's my business card now. <laughs> yeah, you know that's where. 
they say, hey, Greg, you got a business card. I was like, yeah, it's at G Power Scout on Twitter. You know, go <laughs> give me a follow, shoot me a message. I'm on there all the time. And that's how colleges and I think recruits and high schools use Twitter in a way. It's more of a business day social media for recruiting, especially as it relates to recruiting. You know, I think it's very important to have a good presence on there. There's some tips out there for guys that are listening to this that may want to try to get their best foot forward on catching somebody's attention. Always make sure that you, you know, you have your real name on there some way, somewhere, what high school you play at, what position you play, and maybe some general information like your height, weight, and link to your huddle tape. I mean, I think those are all very important areas that you can make sure your tw- your Twitter game is locked up tight, you know, so to speak, if you can check some of those boxes. That's some good info. Thanks. Uh all right, so let's talk about Central Texas recruiting. Uh, let's talk about this 2023 20, signing class. What, what stick? I mean, Jelani McDonald sticks out to me as one, you know, the best recruit in the area. But what was your thoughts on the Central Texas area? Well, I'll counter your Jelani McDonald with the Colton Vossett. You know what I mean? I like both of those guys a whole lot, and they're both going uh, heading off to Austin to go play for the Longhorns. Um, I think it was a pretty good class. With those two guys, you're talking about two in the top 16 as we rated them within on Dave Campbell's Texas football. I actually had three in the top 16 because you're talking about Jaden Greathouse who's going up to play at Notre Dame yep. as well. So you know, almost just under one-fourth of the top-rated players in the state in the 2023 cycle were from the Central Texas area. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's a hotbed for talent. And you have some powerhouse schools in there, but you also have some teams that – continually crank out some some guys because you know looking at further down that list you had you know austin novasad who spurred baylor you know the day before national signing day in the early signing period to ink with oregon that was a huge loss for the bears and then you know you got guys you know there's just a lot of guys down there we didn't get to see old uh, darian Gillette last year right you know yep. and braylon james at brown rock stony point i mean these are all guys who are rated within the top 25 so i guess I guess the best way or the best catchphrase for me is talent runs deep in the heart of Texas, you know. Well, how surprised were you uh, that uh, the Harrison pilot kid out of Temple went to Houston? Wasn't he – didn't he – was he like a crystal ball or whatever going to a, a bigger school at one time or was that a flip? You know, was that a late – he, he was our uh, – Every, every February, it'll be coming out here in the next couple weeks of the five most offered prospects in a recruiting class. And MHP was the most heavily, when I did that story last year, he was the most heavily offered prospect in the state. I think he had around 45 scholarship offers at this point in his recruitment, you know, almost a year, full year before he put his name on a letter of intent. Yeah, so it. everybody in the country was after him. I think the unique connection that really put Houston over the top in his recruitment was his relationship um, staff there and his dad, who is an assistant coach at Temple as well, played at Houston. You know, okay. So he's carrying on his family legacy by going down there and playing for UH, and I think that he has an opportunity to make an early impact. He's one of my favorite recruits, and I love him because he started – you know, it's hard to start as a freshman at Temple. He started as a, as a freshman at Temple as a safety. And when they brought him up, he was going to be – I thought he was going to be a quarterback. You know, he was, a, he was quarterback in his younger days, so I always thought there was a chance that he could be a quarterback. 
too. Well, over the next three years of development, he tur- he refined his game and turned into one of the best route runners in the entire state. Very technically sound, takes it very seriously, and worked his tail off to you know be one of these top-rated guys. I think that helped his offer list, you know, because not everybody knew exactly what he was going to be. Started getting offers early. Could be you know a six foot one, six foot two headhunting safety, but as he matured, he, he's really a no-doubt wide receiver. All right, let's let's go to 2024 in Central Texas area. What kind of what recruits are kind of sticking out for you there? Oh, I mean, you can't you can't talk about 2024 without talking about Micah Hudson at Lake Melton. You know, he's our number two rated prospect in the most recently updated ECTF top 50. Uh, he was number one for six months. He got trumped by Colin Simmons from Duncanville, who really had a remarkable year, 22 and a half sacks that set a school record. But I, I think when you're looking at this list this year, Colin and Micah are basically like 1A and 1B or 1 and 1. It's going to be a really remarkable battle to see who actually ends on, ends up on top at number one. And I look back at, at, you know, I guess it's almost been about 10 years now, but when I was working at uh, scout.com and 24-7 sports, we had a, a battle at the top at number one in the country between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. <laughs> and we flip-flopped those guys back and forth all year. Trevor Lawrence ended up on top at the end of the day. But, I mean, Justin Fields probably had one of the most remarkable performances I can ever remember. Like, he was amazing, right? Like, he's really good. Oh, yeah. And Trevor Lawrence is really good. But that's how I look at this year's battle for number one in the state of Texas. I'm going to compare that to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. These are two heavy hitters, and they're going to be coming after each other. And I'm just interested to see how that 2023 season, you know, plays itself out and, and who's number one at the end of the day when the dust settles. Yeah, and in a couple of spots back out of Conley, you have Kobe Black. What, what's he? He's in the top ten, I believe, also, right? Yeah, he's number three. No, oh, he's three. He's okay, three. And I think uh, one of the recruiting services has him at number one. Really? So, I mean, you're talking about a lockdown corner. Um, he'll get his chance to shine. I think at Conley now that McDonald is gone, I think we'll probably, they did use him some on offense already, but I think that you'll get a chance to have the football in his hands a little bit more next year. He's a He's a playmaker in all three phases. You know, he makes things happen in special team on special teams as well, and uh, just a really talented guy. But what you fall in love with him about is his size and ability to take on the opposition's number one wide receiver. It's hard to find these cover guys um, who can match up with a six-four big body on the outside and really have an advantage over them because of their physicality or. Um, ability to hang right in their hip pocket as they run up the field and, and not get out jump for a ball or out vertical, you know, for a deep ball. And, and I think Kobe brings that to the table. And, you know, another guy on that Conley team, Kiefer Sibley, you know, I think he finally got that Nebraska offer and that kind of blew things wide open for him. He's got several offers since then, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a big time guy too. Very electric. And I, he picked up an offer from Colorado, I think, after their very first game last season. Okay. So, you know, he played one game. He had a really – I can't remember what his stats were in that game, but he had a really huge game, game one, kind of put him on the radar of some major colleges. And believe it or not, um, he was the All-State, you know, one of the All-State selections off that team. So not only is he a guy that has the respect of some of the top colleges throughout the country – 
he's a guy who has uh, respect from, I would say, the coaching peers of that district district because he was an all-district selection as well. I think he was the offensive MVP maybe. And then he uh, went on to you know garner all-state honors as well. All right, Greg. Hey, man, we appreciate you hopping on here and talking a little uh, recruiting with us. Uh, maybe during the season we may have you on and we can talk like a mid, like a mid-season kind of recruit. Maybe some people are popped up, but uh, anytime you you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Hey, Kenny, I appreciate the time, and I always love to talk some syntax ball. So I'm happy to jump on whenever you guys need something. And that was Kenny's interview with Greg Powers, recruiting analyst over at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and. You know, my big takeaway from that, Kenny, or not the biggest takeaway, but one of the first things that I thought of re-listening that was it's with recruiting, high school recruiting here in the state of Texas or across the country in this matter, social media really has changed, you know, the exposure that a lot of these kids get. And we've seen that with some of some of Whitney's players over yeah, here. In our well, absolutely. Group. And I'm glad Greg kind of went over, hey, this is what you need to do. Yes. If you got a Twitter, a Twitter uh, account, you, you know, put your, your, you know, your year, your grade, your, mm-hmm. your real name, your mm-hmm. phone number, your test scores, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, I think that has done wonders for recruiting. I mean, and I think there's small, small town kids that are probably getting recruited that wouldn't have got recruited uh, otherwise if they didn't have that, that Twitter page. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's a big thing, you know, the recruiting, and there's a lot of really highly touted recruits in Central Texas alone. I mean, you look at the class of 2024 rankings and Dave Campbell's Texas football, two of the top three are from Central Texas. You got Micah Hudson from Lake Belton and Kobe Black from Connolly. Absolutely, and then you look at the 2023, the top five, Darian Gillette, Went to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, MHP, as he talked about, went to Houston. Of course, his dad was uh, went there too. Jelani McDonald, Texas. Torian York, A&M. Jamari Wiggins is our, the number five, according to the Waco Trib, and he's at Sam Houston State. And Sam Houston State came in, and, and they recruited Central Texas mm-hmm. hard. You know, they got a couple of linemen from smaller schools to go there, and, and uh, so they, they know what kind of talent is in the, in the area. Yeah, it, it's a huge thing too, just because – you know, especially with the smaller schools in Central Texas, like Connolly, because Connolly, it's a 4A. It's not not a big school, and just the and just this area around, and even with new schools like Lake Belton and Micah Hudson, just just having these new avenues in which you can put your tape out there and you can tag coaches and all this stuff and be like, hey, I can play. Hey, take a look at this. You know, it's it, it's huge because you know without it there i mean there's already a bunch of kids that get overlooked anyway for whatever the case may be but just to have that opportunity and that chance to post your stuff out there and be able to directly contact these coaches is absolutely huge yeah it is and you know we saw uh here locally you know uh Cash Fuller, you know, I, mm-hmm. I reached out to Coach Woodard, I, you know, and asked him where he's going. I know one of their linemen signed to go play, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Clanders, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Canyon Massingill. Two of the most decorated offensive linemen in, in, in the state at 3A uh, with Fuller and Massingill. I don't know where Fuller's going. I talked to Canyon the other day. He's walking on at Tech. You know, he got, a, he got some offers. He really wanted to go to a big school and, and challenge himself. So, I talked to him at a, at a playoff basketball the other game. He's like, I'm going to Tech and I'm walking on. He's been in contact with the coaches over there. And I asked him if I could share it. He said, yeah, go ahead. So, that's what he plans on doing. Uh, then, you know, then you look where those stories really didn't pan out. But if you look at uh, 
over at Rosebud Lot, Easton Fulton, 6'3", 320. He signed with Sam Houston. The kid from Riesel, he's another Sam Houston uh, signee. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of these small-town kids, they're getting the exposure, and That's some correct. don't. So it, I don't know how it works. If you look at uh, – if you look at Cash Fuller and Canyon Massengill, you think, yeah, th- these guys are definitely going to go play somewhere. But I, I haven't heard from uh, back from Woodard on where Fuller's going. Yeah, and there's there's just that old saying that if you can play, they can find yeah. you. But okay. still, at the same time, when it's those smaller schools like you mentioned, Rosebud Lodd, and all, you know all those small like smaller three a and below schools, you know the, the exposure just isn't as much, and that's another reason why I think social media with it, it's just huge that these kids can, for one, post their stuff. But the main thing is you can directly contact these coaches and be like, you can establish a relationship early without having to visit the campus yeah. and everything. So it's a huge thing. But, yeah, the recruits in Central Texas are huge. And you look at university. We were talking about him before, London Smith. He's a freshman wide receiver, and he already has offers from Baylor, North Texas, and Texas State as a freshman. That's awesome. He's an unbelievable player, great kid as well. Uh, he's the son of the assistant athletic director, Rodney Smith, as well, who, who could play a little himself, oh, by yeah, the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, where did your, where's the running back from the university? Makai Sanoff. Uh, last I heard, I haven't, I haven't heard or seen anything new, but last I heard he was going on a visit to West Texas and okay. um, over in Canyon. But I'm not sure, you know, I don't know anything beyond that. I just know he was going there for a visit one weekend uh, with his coach. So I, I'm i not sure. I'd have to take a look on that. But, yeah, but the, the biggest thing for sure, London Smith, he, he's special. And, he, and he's going he's gonna to continue to grow, grow, like, in all aspects. He's going to get taller. He's going he's gonna to put on some pounds. I mean, he was 6'2", 170 this year. I think talking with Coach Laster during our weekly meetings, whenever we would – you know, set up for the university broadcast. He he would say like this kid's going to be six four, six five, and get get to about two ten, two fifteen. Like he's going to be a true, you know, deep deep threat, one on one receiver. And just if he's able to maintain just not just getting bigger, but the speed and the the, the ball skills that he has. And the one thing that really stuck out to me watching him play all last season was his route running. His like it's like he's been. I mean, he's probably been playing football his whole life, obviously, but it looks like he's been a college player out there just running routes and just creating the separation the way he did. I mean, he was, he was as a freshman, he was nearly impossible to guard one-on-one. He was an unbelievable talent, and he's only going to get better. But, yeah, just – and that, that tells you enough about Central Texas recruiting. A freshman receiver already has three FBS offers, so it's going to be massive to see – and exciting to see how recruiting develops and just where the where these kids decide to commit or just ha, ha, what kind of looks they get. It's going to be really, really awesome to see. Well, and like we talked with Greg, I mean, you look uh, – Powers, mm-hmm. Lake Belton and Conley. Look at all the talent. And Lake Belton's the first year of playing y'all Varsity. football, mm-hmm. and they've got uh, Javion Wilcox, uh, mm-hmm. The wide receiver, Connor Cruz, is going to go somewhere and play some football. I forgot where he uh, committed to. Um, a lot of talent at those two schools alone. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, you look at players, we'll, t- we'll talk on him more a little bit, but Cash McCollum, you know, it's another one of those things. He's got a, he's got a couple offers, I think. I think uh, UPenn and Incarnate Word are, are vying for his services at the moment. But he's going into his senior year. And senior year – 
in most cases is really where recruiters start being like, okay, if you can do this your senior year, then it's like the last last chance, obviously, for these seniors to go out and show what they can do and just prove that they're ready to play at the next level. And for players like Cash McCollum and uh, Trey Haynes and all, all these talented players from the Central Texas area, it, it's going to be incredible to see what they do in their senior years. And it should up and up their recruiting because these players are just unbelievable and just, you know, it's not really common to see – these you know sophomores and juniors from this area of Texas get that many offers right away. It's yeah. usually after their senior year, so we'll have to see how that develops. But still, just the the talent we've talked about it all season long throughout the season, and just watching all these teams play, that the that the talent throughout Central Texas is it, it's without question. Yeah, and you know Kiefer Sibley, you know after yep. he got that offer from Nebraska, he just kind of mm-hmm. blew up. And, mm-hmm. uh, so you're going to have that guy coming back, Kobe Black coming back for Conley. Mm-hmm. you got the receiver down at Lorena that's highly recruited coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the receiver at, at Lake Belton's coming back. A lot of talent coming back. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Haynes is coming back. Haynes, he yeah. really hasn't got the offers he's hoping for, but I think – I mean, he's just a he, he's a football player. Mm-hmm. He'll find somewhere to go play. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. But, yeah, rec- recruiting, it's not something I, I'm usually too familiar with, but it's it's exciting to see when there's players from around our neck of the woods get the attention and get recruited the way we've been seeing them lately. It's going to be really, really exciting to see how that develops. And then, finally, you know, a, a big part of the, be, of the beginning of the offseason, I guess the best way to put it, is – all the, uh, I guess, all Centex and all state teams came out. And then there was the – the one I looked at first off was the one on the Waco Tread, the Super Centex team. Yep. And and we looked at them, the Offensive Player of the Year, Cash McCollum, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, David Haynes, the third. And, I mean, I think both those players were absolutely well-deserved. Yeah, and, you know, that it could go to any any number of players. I mean, there's uh, some, yeah. some great, yeah. great players out there. Uh yeah, and, uh, you know, the newcomer of the year we talked about, London Smith had a hell of a, a, a freshman year. You know, mm-hmm. there's a couple of quarterbacks that come to mind. The kid at Dawson threw for a ton of yards. Mm-hmm. The kid at Whitney threw for a ton of yards their first year on varsity. But, uh, you know, not saying that anybody doesn't deserve it, but there was a it was a hard pick to find your newcomer of the year. Yeah, especially with just in this part of the state alone, just the amount of talent and just – just straight-up ball players, straight-up ballers, honestly, just the, how good these players are in this – not just in Central Texas, of course, but across the entire state. But it just feels like in Central Texas, man, the teams are just unbelievably good as well. But, yeah, and then the defensive newcomer of the year, Ezreen Emery, the linebacker from Hillsboro. So two of the top four <laughs> two of the top four guys from Hill County. How that about that? That kid was averaging like 40 tackles a game. I mean, I don't know what the stat was, but he was unbelievable. And we, and we saw him – I saw him play, and he's a headhunter, man. He, he'll go get the ball. He just there's just players out there. They just have a nose for the football. They just at the end of every play, it's like him and Haynes. It just they just know where the ball's going every play. That that just shows the work they put in. They study film. You know, they go extra hard in practice to make sure they know what what the deal is. And they're just I think headhunters is a good term yeah. used for Emory. He was flying to the football all season long. He's just a sophomore. He he'll be going to his junior year this year. He'll be a stud for the next few years to come. And then coach of the year, Tyler Beatty from China Spring. Yeah. How how many coaches throughout the state of Texas 
I, c- I can't think of any that won a state championship in their first year as a head coach. Not many, and yeah. you know, not taking anything away from Coach Beatty, but he but, had a, he had a yeah. pretty good little talented class coming yeah. back, defending state champ. But he did a, a great job. We got to visit with him throughout the season. Uh, yeah, kudos to him, and I think he deserved it. That's that's the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look you look at the. The first teams across the board, McCollum, and guys we talked about before, Kiefer Sibley, and a, a team that we haven't really touched on yet, Jadarian Bell and the Mark Panthers. They had a lot of representation, uh, a lot of representation from Crawford with, with Breck Chambers and uh, Cash Fuller from West and all, all these guys, Kenny Massingale from Whitney, and then Jonah Ross from Mark. You know, there's the, the talent from just those names alone, the talent from across the freaking – the, this area of Texas is unbelievable. And then Thomas Barr. One of the best kickers in the state. In the man. state, yeah. yeah. He's going to Abilene Christian, I believe. Yes, he's going to ACU. He had that game-winning game winner, field goal in the state championship game to cap off that 24-point comeback against Bernie. And then Trajan Wilcox from Cameron Yo. He had an unbelievable season as well. And then a very deserving first-team offense there. And on the defensive side of the ball, Monty Swainer the uh, district MVP from Mart, and then a player you mentioned before, Easton Fulton from Rosebud Lot. There's just so much talent across this There is, yeah, and I like the way that that they do it because they just, Mm -hmm. you know, China Spring could have had it, you know, fill this whole thing but you know they, they yeah. kind of uh, the way they vote on it they look at kids that deserve it and mm-hmm. I, I like the way they, their process of doing this yeah absolutely and you looked at some other polls as well right kenny yeah uh man what i liked is uh, the texas high school coach association the, the super elite team mm-hmm. first year they're doing it uh and when i look at 3a and, and, it, and it, it it's weird because uh some local kids got it but if you were going to start a 3a football team and you look at this list I don't know how you don't case in English hitting one of your top. Mm-hmm. That kid was, I mean, just a mm-hmm. stud. He's going to, I think, Trinity Valley mm-hmm. Community uh, Junior College or Community College to play mm-hmm. football. Uh, what a what a stud he's on there. Uh, you had on. Let's see. We'll go two A. Cade Narnett from Mart was mm-hmm. on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, Peyton Brown from Toller. That kid's a stud. Breck Chambers. Uh, let's look down the list. Uh, Granger. Uh, then you get to three A, and you've got a. Uh, David Haynes from Whitney, Canyon Massigill from Whitney, Easton Paxton, who's a tremendous mm-hmm. player over at West. That kid is uh, – he's good at baseball and, and football, so who knows? he's going to go play some kind of sport at the next level. Uh, what else you got? You got Case in English. Uh, uh, let's see. Mm, Kobe Black from Conley. Sorry, I didn't write all these down. I'm just kind of going through the list here. Uh, Raymond Camden from Glen Rose, Hudson mm-hmm. White from Glen Rose. Uh, yeah, that, I like that team. Uh, Micah Hudson from Lake Belton. Mm-hmm. And then you get up to the 5 and 6A levels. Uh, let's see, who do we got here? North Shore guy. I should have highlighted all these, but I didn't. It's all good. Harker Heights, Rashawn Sanford. Yep, he was a beast this year, too. He was a beast. So, yeah, well represented on this team. I liked it. Uh, you know, because if you look at the sports writers, all-state team, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's going to be really heavy with state semifinals. You know, the gun. Mm-hmm. If, look at three. Yeah. The Gunners, the Brocks. The you know they're going they're going to be well represented. I saw some people complain about this one, but I think this is a more well-rounded team. But and I'm not taking anything away from the sports writer, but. Sports rider teams are the first teams are really heavy with these state semifinals. Yeah, because when you're putting those lists together, and I'm sure a lot of the sports riders think this way, 
you can't you can't necessarily look at look at it over the blanket of the team that they play for. Of course, the players on those really good teams are really good and obviously deserve to be on the list. But you you can't overlook the players. You know, from the teams that maybe only went two or three rounds a year for teams that didn't even make the playoffs. Any team, if a, if a player is good enough and put the numbers up, they deserve to be on the list. And player, players like Case and English are a prime example of that. Yeah, he needed, needed to be there. So, if you look at the sports writer, 6A, the first team, uh, only one I see is Rashawn Sanford for mm-hmm. Harker Heights, and he is a, absolutely deserves it. And we can take a, lot of the, uh, take a look at a lot of the first teamers on this list as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so like I said, 6A, uh, Rashad Sanford, uh, really great back. And you drop down to 5A, you've got uh, Makai Sandahl from University, quality pick. And get down to 4A, which is going to be heavily represented by China Spring. Uh, Kobe Hale, tackle at China Spring. Trey Hafford, wide receiver. Thomas Barr, Jalen Trotter, Greg Salazar on the defensive line. And get down to 3A, which is going to be heavily represented by Franklin. You got Bryson Washington, player of the year, offensive player of the year, which is awesome for him. Uh, Fernando Contreras from uh, Malakoff. Colton Metters at Franklin on the, on the offensive line. Uh, tight end Cohen Sanders from Grandview. Uh, your running backs, obviously, uh, Bryson Washington and, and Jaden Jackson from Franklin. And uh, in your secondary, you've got uh, Devin Hidrogo from Franklin. So, yeah, well represented Central Texas. I didn't print out the 2A. Uh, congrats to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. It was a well-deserved again for all those players. Just, again, another great year of Texas high school football back in 2022. It was a really, really fun season. It was amazing to cover, and, you know, I'm, I'm ready for 2023 season already, Kenny. Yeah, I am too. It's going to be fun. Hopefully uh, you're still in the area. I hope so. You don't move up to the the big time somewhere and we get to do this pot. I'm sure if you're uh, somewhere else we can uh, do you know patches through you still do oh yeah absolutely no, I'll still be here I think I mean I'm just I'm, I'm only 22 I don't think I'm going to hit the big time quite yet but <laughs> if ever but yeah it'll, it'll be fun and I'm, I'm excited I mean and still regardless we'll we'll be back for 2023 there's no doubt about that we got to Got to cover Central Texas like nobody else does right here on the Central Texas Football Podcast. And thanks again to you for tuning in to episode 20 of the Central Texas Football Podcast. For Kenny Heath, my name is Ryan Fox, and we'll see you later on down the line, everybody.